I'm Riggs Eckleberry, co-founder, chairman, CEO of Origin Clear. The government needs to continue to provide a lot of abundant clean water. But what happens to it after it's used, when it's dirty? Do you know that 80% of all sewage is never treated, it's just dumped? That leads to water scarcity, but it also leads to a lot of disease and pollution, the ocean turning into something horrible. At the same time, the cities and counties are not getting the funding they need to really treat the water, and so they can't keep up. The solution is let the people who use the water clean the water. Water on demand is investment in actual capital assets that earn income. Sign up to hear my weekly briefing every Thursday night, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Just put oc.gold slash CEO in your browser, register for the briefing, and I look forward to hearing more from you. And welcome everyone to the Thursday night briefing. Robert Baxter says, hi guys. Hey, Robert. All right. So we got a lot to cover. Very ex exciting. So let's just jump right into it. What is new gold for the 16th? And uh, yeah, we're in the business of developing high growth clean water assets with the water on demand. Let me tell you something. We did some financial analysis that showed that water on demand really is the gorilla in the room. You know, we're launching all these companies and it's fantastic, but water on demand is like, whoa, it's powerful. All right. So today I interviewed Dan Early professional engineer on the monthly record that was set with this um, announcement this morning. And so why don't we go ahead and play that? Cool. Good afternoon, Dan. How are you? I'm doing well, Riggs. It's good to see you this afternoon. Indeed. Indeed. We had a great uh, announcement this, this morning uh, and um, I thought we'd go through it, but um, you're doing a lot with a very small team, aren't you? We are uh, very, very busy right now. Uh, could use a few extra hands. If there's anybody out there looking for an engineering job, we'll, we'll gladly bring you on board and um, need some manufacturing help, And but it's all good. It's very good. Well, in fact, um, we recently played a video on this show about um, you know, the Houston Polytank manufacturing site. And I have a, when we review the press release in a minute, there's a couple of photos of that. So it sounds like you've got yourself a nice, stable uh, fabrication partner. We do. We do. Um, uh, Ron and Michelle and, and the fine folks over there, House and Polytank, uh, very important to our, to our program and, and the business model moving forward. Uh, the strategic relationship that continues to evolve with them uh, through the help and assistance with Tom Marchicello, our COO, that is really starting to bear some fruit. Um, we were out there just last month, about three weeks ago, to, to call on um, Houston and to look at uh, the progress of a variety of different uh, systems that are in fabric in final stages of fabrication with their facility. Um, we have since taken uh, delivery of some of those units in our final upfit facility in McKinney, Texas at PWT. But uh, that relationship um, is very is, is evolving very nicely. Uh, very pleased. Uh, but it's a very mutually beneficial relationship for both parties. Well, it's important to have a stable uh, partnership and theoretically now since you have a standardized product line you could start um you know building inventory and uh, i know that we've been discussing ways to these are not small units so you have to find a place for them to right. see. that is a concern but but you know it's exciting that we could get into like oh you want a pump station well we got right right here on the back rack you know you know aisle 17 just like at ikea right <laughs> that's right 
That's yeah, that, I mean, that is, I mean, we we sort of laugh at it a little bit, but uh, it is, our, our model and delivery model is moving to that level. And um, that is important for the, the water and wastewater infrastructure world. These big, large systems, people think that you might, can, could not commoditize them. But with the standardization program that, that we have underway, there are, there is the ability to inventory systems because of the standard models that we have. Uh, and the, and the, when we drop basis of design, there is predictability in our pipeline of, of future opportunities. And that's hugely important. Mm -hmm. um, that's absolutely true. And, and, I, and I know that we're going to be moving to that as we scale. Tell me a little bit about your team. Who's, who's on board at Modular Water? Well, Modular Water um, um, it starts with me. I'm, I am the, uh, the president and the division manager. Um, but I have with me also Rob Litos. Um, he's with, been with us in, been for about three years now. Rob serves a, as our technical um, project manager. He's very instrumental to the scoping and tip of the spear efforts that are underway working with the consulting engineers and the specifying engineers and our, and our customers. Uh, recently, well, recently, now six months ago, uh, Mark Mazaket, he joined our team. And Mark is, um, he is serving as our engineering manager. He's been on board six months, been a fantastic addition to the team. Um, he's a licensed professional engineer, much like myself. And uh, his background, his specialty is in decentralized water and wastewater. He brings wow. a treasure trove of, of experience, design good experience to the team. So he's very, he's very, very talented individual. We have Guy Yo. He is, um, he is assistant production manager. He's based out of our McKinney facility, uh, working with Mark Stevens and his team down there on all of the modular water system. Uh, production order so that's where we currently stand and obviously we've got our support with tom and prasad and the rest of the folks over at the corporate office yes and speaking of that you you, you uh, prasad and tom have been working on making modular water a business unit of its own in its own uh in its own right and i guess the second half of this year is where we're really going to see that kick in correct correct we are um we are on pace uh, for modular water systems to basically step step out on its own and operate as its own independent business unit. I'm really super excited about that because a lot of we're building a lot of um, process and setting up a lot of the framework, the, the corporate framework and, and the things that are needed for modular to to step out and to operate as a, a sister business unit to progressive water treatment. We're at that stage now. Uh, the pipeline, the, the current production orders we have in house, the book of business, it's it is now time to do that. Yes, and uh, in fact, you know, it brings to mind the um, our change in business model at corporate, where um, you know we had the historical model was basically to keep building, building up value, bigging, bigging it up constantly, and of course, the problem with that is you're it's constantly requiring more capital, more more capital. There's also a danger of not having quite as much um, focus on one or another unit. You know, in a, in a big family, there's always one red-haired stepchild. And um, so, you know, now we're, of course, moving to um, more of a sequential launch mode where we're able to really focus on one thing at a time. And uh, as part of that plan, as you can um, see, as you can visualize, we're not only going to be eventually giving modular water systems a, a place in the sun, but even the Avera Mod pump station line. Yes, the, the, the Avera Mod pump station product line, that has really taken off like gangbusters. Um, a lot of the, uh, the pre-promotion work, a lot of the pre-engineered development, product development we did two and three years ago, that has now taken root um, and it is starting to grow and starting to bear fruit. 
um, our pipeline of production orders related to the Veramont system, those things are increasing on a month over month basis. Um, we are, the thing I'm really pleased with is that I am happy to announce, and I think there's been some, some press release at corporate uh, with regards to some national account activity that we've developed. Uh, we just landed our very first major national account. Uh, uh, it's a company that's committed to our program. They love what we do. They love that we have a, a one-stop shop, single source, single point of delivery engineered solution for wastewater lift stations. So tickled to death. What we are seeing is we have several others that are in um, or similar stages, not quite as far along, but we have other national accounts that I feel like, and I had one call today that I feel like may allow us to have a second, add a second national account to our program. Wow. Yes, they are a national account, but then we have to get their approval to talk about them. And that's a whole separate step. But, you know, right. we're very excited. I understand that this particular national account just gave you another order this week. Am I right? They did. They did. Yes. Uh, tickled to death with that. Um, our, the, uh, the relationship's not even 30 days old and we've received our second commitment, second order commitment from them. Uh, that probably, I think we're probably looking at four to five units a month, probably by the end of the wow. year. I think that the production level will be at that level. Well, and this is they're aggressively building their uh, their sites. This is going to be obviously just you know pocket a pocket, right? Yep, exactly. It's very standardized. They, they want they want to buy the same thing over and over and over again, and they like the the engineering capability that we have to make sure that our product gets integrated into their facilities correctly. And so that it's it is a match made in heaven. Fantastic. I'm going to go ahead and and um, share a screen, and and we're going to review today's this morning's press release. Right. Now, you literally uh, in May did almost what you did in the entirety of 2021 in purchase orders. We did. Do you we believe did. that that is sustainable? Um, yes, it is definitely sustainable. I think it will become the norm. Mm. Uh, I think as the uh, I think as 20 the back half of 2022 unfolds. I think that we will see these uh, these million dollar month, these seven figure months become the norm. Um, as we continue to build the internal program around the Avermod or around the uh, modular water systems division, around all of our different product lines, uh, in 2023, it definitely will be the norm. Well, that's amazing. And so really um, looks like a, you're 10x at least um, going forward. And that is for a water company. I mean, Lord have mercy. That is, yeah. isn't it? Very, very pleased. Very, very pleased. Very, very pleased with the progress. Very excited for what the future holds, Riggs. We are heading in the right direction. I love it. I love it. All right. And then here's a cool photo of you at that um, Houston Polytank Fabrication Facility and um, showing off one of your pump stations. Am I right? It is. Um, this, um, the, the photo that you see of me standing there with my hand um, on that structure, that's a valve vault assembly. It's part of the uh, a package pump station and a Veramod package pump station system. This is um, this particular uh, package right here is shipping tomorrow to our customer in the Panhandle of Florida. Mm. Um, a, a mixed use commercial development site, and uh, we were the design build vendor on this particular project. We teamed up with a um, a local consulting engineer, and that consulting firm. Um, I'll give kudos, and I'm gonna call them out. Um, Columbia Engineering, Jason Hurst and his team. Uh, those guys um, really like the value that we bring, the capability that we bring, and, and how we're able to leverage our engineering and equipment manufacturing uh, prowess to to help their, them and their customers. So this one right here is going to a um, to a grocery store, mixed-use development facility, new construction along a major highway just east of Pensacola. 
Two seats of Pensacola. That's fantastic. And sure. So May, you, this is the kind of mix we're talking about. You had a big power plant order. Um, you had that uh, summer camp, which they typically are off sewage. Then they need to have that capability. Um, couple lift stations. And now to make it clear what the difference is, a pump station is fresh water, a clean water, and a, and a lift station is sewage. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. Good. Um, so generically, we call them pump stations, but really that's the difference. Um, and then uh, you're really seeing this growing need for um, ability to not have to depend upon municipal sewage connections. Yeah, the uh, the thing that we've seen, and, and we've talked about this uh, quite a bit, Riggs, over the last three or four years, uh, this move towards decentralization. Decentralization is driven by is driven by two things: by demand, the market demand, there's a need for it, but that is fostered by the fact that the public sector, the existing public utilities, mm -hmm. uh, those public water and public sewer districts, they, especially in high growth areas, do not have the capability to provide the collection, wastewater collection and treatment capacity. And so what happens is that basically forces the, all the construction, uh, all the new development and the construction to look towards decentralized options. So the future, I will tell you, even with the, the even with some of the, the prognosticators out there and looking at uh, things over the next 12 months, the demand is so great and the lack of capability is so great at the public sector level. Uh, I think that we are in a very strong position uh, over the next 24 to 36 months to continue to take additional purchase orders to see our to see our production level and our, our um, contract closes to increase um, in number and quantity over time. So it's, it is, it, it is what it is. It's just a function of where we are in this modern day and age. I'll tell I'll share this with you. I was in a conversation uh, with a, uh, a potential strategic partner down in the Georgia region uh, outside of Atlanta earlier today. There is in DeKalb County, which is just, I think it's just northeast of the, the Atlanta metro, downtown Atlanta metro region. They are, they're getting hammered by growth and they uh, have absolutely, they're, they're chasing their tail trying to keep up with wastewater um, collection, conveyance and treatment. They don't have the ability. And so it's driving needs down there in that neck of the woods as well. And you see that in all the major metropolitan regions in Texas and Florida, uh, we're seeing these mass mass influxes of new population, people migrating from the West Coast and from the Northeast. Yes, it's uh, moving into the entire Southeast, really. Correct. Uh, Texas, uh, Carolinas, Georgia, Florida are just getting, as you say, hammered and areas that where, you know, they're, they're not really geared up for that kind of concentration. They're not, they're not. So decentralized water and these, uh, these infrastructure solutions, even like the Avermont pump station, while it may not be a decentralized component, it can be part of a component, but uh, it, we're seeing mass adoption of that. We're seeing really, really uh, font, uh, really uh, serious uptick in orders to keep up with just pub pumping to public sewer where it is possible. Wow. Well, that is amazing to hear. And, and yes, this is this is the, the trend of almost the trend of the century. Really amazing. In the water industry, I'll tell you right now, I was having a conversation with a vendor, another vendor on Monday of this week, and it is a good time to be in the water industry. It really is. Well, it uh, it brings a smile on my face because we made a big decision in 2018 to uh, to grow this business. And at times we're like, is this child going to grow? And, you know, it then we hit. I guess we were there at the right moment for the inflection point, right? Yep, yep. It's the water industry. Um, it has its own gestational cycle, and, and once you get to a uh, an inflection point, it takes off. Wow. Um, 
And you know, you mentioned basis of design, and that's one of the key strengths because um, these patents make you unique and proprietary, and that means it's very hard for other people to come in and carpet bag you. It does. Uh, when we work with our engineering partners, our strategic partners, early on in the conceptual planning phase and the design development phase, and we get chosen, we get evaluated and compared against other vendors. And then when we are selected, we become basis of design. We get integrated into the technical permitting package, which is approved at the regulatory level. When you get approved at the regulatory level rigs, what that means is, is that it is very difficult to come in after the fact and to swap out a piece of equipment because the approval's already there and they're mandated. Uh, really, you'd have to reinvent the wheel, re-engineer the system, that type of thing. It's time and time is money. And so it really works very, very well. Yes. And certainly not getting ripped off by, by competitors is a good feeling. Correct. Yep. Being able to be, it's king of the mountain. Once you're on, once you're on top, it's really a lot easier to fend off everybody else. It is much, much harder to knock somebody else off who's already in spec position. As you're king of the mountain, you're still going to talk to the rest of us, right? I will. I am not, uh, <laughs> um, I'm not I'll remain, I will remain good to my country boy roots. I'll be down to earth. Right on. Now here's a, an outdoor lot that shows some of these, these, um, these designs, these sort of in the video, we saw them being rolled out these high density, uh, thermoplastic units, and that's a great um, material for you. And the final thing is, is that, um, you know, we're looking at using your technology to standardize these pre-funded water on demand service contract systems to, so that we have a, a consistent fleet across the country, and that should be finally get us into the licensing business, right? It, it does. Um, the the Avermod or the modular water system program, uh, the, the, the wastewater treatment plants, the Avera skid systems, the Avera treat systems that we are um, actively selling and delivering to the marketplace, they really set up um, the water on demand model. Uh, and the reason for that is, is that the owner, the, these customers that commit to the water on demand program, uh, their engineering teams, their construction teams, the in, owner end users, they know the quality and the type of equipment that they're going to get. And it's really huge on the opera on the OPEX side, on the operations and maintenance side. And so when they know that they're going to get a really durable, well-manufactured uh, piece of equipment, uh, it really makes the, it makes the water on demand model turn and move much faster, much more effectively. Well, for sure, because since we're effect effectively the customer and we're being paid only on performance, we want these systems to, to remain, have good uptime, right? To not have a lot of maintenance issues to just run and run. And so I think that's a major, major driving factor for standardizing with your technology. Exactly. Daniel, I think I am so excited about what you've accomplished so far. It's a, it's a red letter day for us. Uh, thank you for your hard work. And please tell your team that, if, you know, if, if they don't come in on Saturday, don't bother coming in on Sunday. <laughs> I will pass that word along to them. I will definitely do that. May not get a good response, but I'll tell them. No, no, no. I, it, it's a, it's an old, it's an old joke from high tech days when uh, Larry Ellison, yep. Larry Ellison used to come into the parking lot and see who, what cars in the morning still had hot um, front hoods who had just arrived, yeah. you know, and he used to yeah. say that he used to say, right. you know, not on Saturday, don't bother coming on Sunday. Well, fortunately you guys have a life, keep having a life. Thank you so much. Keep up the great work. Hey, thank you, Riggs. My pleasure. All right. I'm so blown away. I mean, look, they literally are doing 10 times the run rate of last year. 
four people that, you know, a million five a month in purchase orders. And it's growing from there and they're standardizing. And you know what happens when you can start doing production line assembly and you just have, yep, you got three sizes. This is what you get. Uh, the water industry isn't used to that. It's not how the water industry operates. Um, it's, you know, it does things by hand and expensive. But but if you're putting stuff in at a brewery, they don't want to know about the big foo They don't even have any water experts. They just want the thing, put that thing in the side there in the corner and you're going to maintain it, right? Right. Okay, good. If it's standardized, then we will have some degree of a lot less risk if it's our designs by the brilliant Dan Early. So that was a fantastic interview. And now I'm going to jump right into excerpt from a podcast. This is the, the Fi Show that links the Fish Show. No, it's the Fi Show. And you can see this, you know, scaling from nothing to 20 million with, you know, uh, covered calls and building a major following online as a couple. So a lot of, lot of e-commerce and um, real estate stuff. How Miss Excel retrained her brain to build a brand with 100K days and a million plus followers. How cool is that? Well, um, I, had, I had the opportunity to tell them a story that was completely different and you'll see that they had fun with it. So let's take a look. All righty, Riggs, let's kick this thing off. I read that water's inflating at, I think it was three times the rate of normal inflation. Is the reason for that, is it overpopulation? Are we just using more water than we have in the past? Or they, like what's contributing to a 300% increase over the regular inflation rate? Well, part of the problem is that um, the high point of federal funding for, wa for municipal water systems was in the 70s. Um, when it was roughly $7.6 billion a year, which even that's not a lot, but it was better than nothing. And over the years, it's gone down to almost nothing. And even that almost nothing is loans and not grants. So federal support for water systems has disappeared. Meanwhile, environmental um, standards have risen. There's more and more dramatically uh, demanding, like get more arsenic out of your water, get the fluorine out of the water, et cetera. All really needed, but it adds to the cost of that municipality. And then that municipality has a problem. Um, a few years ago, when Compton residents in California saw brown water coming out of their faucet, they said, what's going on? And the local water district said, well, we've been asking for money for a decade now, and, the, and your city council never allocated the money. And, and by the way, that water not, not, won't hurt you. It's just magnesium, so good luck. Well... <laughs> That water district got you know closed down and taken over by the city of LA. But the but the bigger picture is there's a lot of um, funding problems, and so uh, municipal water districts, uh, for example, Austin Austin's seen a tremendous rise. Why? Lots of in migration, lots of pressure on the water system. They're trying to fund it somehow. The water rates go up, and they're relatively unregulated. There's there's actually a lot of freedom to raise water rates. You'd think they wouldn't be, but there are, and so. One of the good things about water as a service is that a housing development, an HOA, or a business like a brewery can enter a long-term contract for water by the gallon that limits the amount of inflation that there can be and includes all of the maintenance, all built in. And it's a very sane decision because it locks out the, um, the imponderable, right? It says, okay, this thing is set. It's going to rise a certain CPI index. Um, and it's going to be fully taken care of, and now we can move on to other problems. And that makes it very a very popular idea. 
All of the funding dried up from the municipalities and the government just seems to not care about water whatsoever. But I've seen more than ever recently, probably in the past decade, that, you know, just regular people are starting to invest back into water. They want clean water. They want, you know, renewable energy. So how are people actually going about doing this? Right. So the <clears throat> we had a realization when we when we figured out that we needed to solve the that, that we could accelerate the adoption of, of good decentralized water systems, <clears throat> that what would really make it work would be to get rid of the capital problem. Sign here, you get your system. It's not your property, it's ours, and it's basically you're paying for use. And that is a very attractive thing because people don't mind operating expenses uh, versus capital expense, typically, especially since most uh, businesses have not really uh, planned for a big capital expense in water treatment. That wasn't on their business plan. So we solved that problem, and uh, it, takes, it takes the problem away. Now, we then realized, wait a minute, we're very good at raising money from regular investors. This is what we do. It's how we've paid for our development all these years. It's, um, there's, no, there's no secret that we've chosen to have a burn as opposed to living uh, as a small water company in McKinney, Texas, We've chosen to kind of try try bigger, and so we raise money for that, and we're good at that, and we have a, a bench of really, really loyal investors who, who've done well with us and who are, who are willing to look at, you know, helping us along, and we realize, wait a minute, we're good at doing this. Let's let the ordinary investor invest in water systems, and the structure is very similar to what the oil industry calls master limited partnerships which is a basket of, of energy properties, pipeline, oil, and, get, and natural gas production. And that, that basket of, of assets generates uh, royalties. And so you and I can it's, – it's a, it's a sophisticated investment, but we're free to invest in, a, in an MLP. Um, there's about 60-some MLPs, uh, and it's a big market, about $300 billion value and it complements big oil it doesn't it doesn't take it away it, it's a it's an alternative alternative source of innovation of financing etc we adopted that idea by creating this water on demand capital and letting people invest directly in it and thus all of a sudden it's no longer just a you know high risk microcap investment you know high risk high reward it's actually you know to a great degree an asset, a productive asset. And not only that, it's as opposed to precious metals and oil and gas and real estate, it hasn't had a big run yet. Why? Because people have not been able to invest in water systems except by getting a, um, you know, an exchange-traded exchange fund or uh, buying shares in Veolia. There's been no direct investment in the asset, and that is a first. And we believe we're, we're you know, really um, pioneering new ground. I'm talking about investing. We've been talking about raising money, um, you know, and talking about decentralizing things. And I, I know that there is, you've mentioned crypto with a water company. And I'm like, how do those two things interlock? And, and what do you, why do you feel the need to create your very own currency? Well, um, I, I, I was very excited in 2018. I remember in December 2017 uh, going to some and there was a Miami Bitcoin conference and there was a start engine um, conference in LA and all these 
And I was very excited about the idea of, of a water coin, which we branded Water Chain at the time. And I spoke at some industry. In fact, D10E, which is a decentralization conference, I spoke to them about decentralized water. Um, the problem with Water Chain twofold. Number one is we had that famous crypto winter that cut in in uh, later 2018, which is like, whoa. Um, but this, the more important problem, we could have kept going, that wasn't the issue, was that there was no stable price for water all over the place. Water pricing is totally political. Um, you know, the, the um, Michael Burry, the, you know, the famous big short where he says, the next thing I'm going to do is water. Well, he went into water. And the, the rest of that story is he learned it's highly politicized. And he basically gave up and went into farming as an indirect water user. And he's doing quite well. The point I'm making is that um, the, the whole water, legacy water thing is highly, um, it's very archaic. And it all depends on, you know, was your grandfather a water holder in the 1800s and that kind of stuff? So we've, we just found we could not get a stable price for water. Fast forward to today, now we're building a network of functional water systems that are paying by the gallon. So every single gallon of water is paid for. Well, now, hey, guess what? The second big thing that's good about the crypto industry is you no longer have to build a crypto from the ground up. You can build, you can... The NFT, non-fungible tokens, is a great thing because you just you're sitting on top of an Ethereum standard. There's a market existing already, and all you got to do is package it as essentially a royalty-bearing NFT, which is there's nothing science fiction about it. It's already being done, and bingo, you got yourself a digital bond that you can then transfer, and in that bond is embedded all the future revenue from your water royalties and I decide, you know what, I'm going to sell that to Cody and he's going to buy it for some discount to the net present value. Uh, and <clears throat> I got my cash. Cody's got the future of revenue. We move on. And that for investors will be very good because one of the problems with people investing in the 25 year revenue cycle is I don't know if I want to be around. I, I mean, I would be around in 25 <laughs> years. So what do I do? Well, this will create liquidity and ultimately we believe will create a market because the problem with water is, there is no world market for water. Why? Water's local. It's too heavy, too cheap to send it from New York to Atlanta. So um, the people who have a, a water price problem in Northern California, they can't hedge their water risk with uh, options on Singapore water. Impossible. doesn't exist. But once a crypto world is created, where let's say they're NFTs. I'm just throwing that out as a as a placeholder, right? It could be an asset, a straightforward asset coin just as easily. Um, then we start getting into exchangeability and every one of these is paid for. Every gallon has money attached to it. So it's monetized. And so that makes it something that I think, you know, my personal opinion about crypto is that the crappy concept coins are going to be washed out and we're going to be left with things that have, I'm, I'm excluding Bitcoin and Ethereum, which are special cases. Everything else is really going to get, you know, get, you know, looked at like, well, is there something real there? Is there a business model or is there a real asset? And if it's not that, I think it's going to have a hard time. So we think it's going to be a very popular coin. We're not doing it right now, and there's very good reasons for it. Um, number one, it's just not part of the business cycle for us. It's, 
we can deliver dividends using ACH just fine. Not an issue. Um, you know, uh, automated clearinghouse. It's painful because then people change their bank accounts and you got a poor customer sales rep trying to update things and it's kind of lame. But it does work, right? It, it's a workable system. Um, mortgage companies do it all the time. Uh, but, you know, that next step of um, being able to transfer just by changing addresses and all that, that's really exciting. What we're running into is the fact that the SEC does not love crypto and we just as soon not create barriers. So we've explicitly excluded it from the current business plan of water on demand because we believe we've already made plans to file for a regulation, a offering for water on demand. Currently it's only accredited investors or non us, but we, you know, I'm a strong believer. Like I think it's a piece of crap that only the 1% can invest in interesting things. I think that's really stupid. So, Regulation A, which is the Jobs Act thing that was created for unaccredited investors, has become extremely viable, and we this summer will we expect to have an offering. And the last thing we want is for the SEC to go, "What's this crypto?" So we are choosing to defer it and actually make it a separate spinoff completely that will be funded using more conventional uh, crypto type. There's a whole crypto world for financing, which is separate. That's a long way to say that it's really tokenizable. It's, uh, we we want to create water communities in the crypto world, all that good stuff, but all in good time. We want to lay in the fundamental financing of water systems that you know um, everyday investors uh, like Cody and Justin can have access to. Awesome. Well, I love everything you're doing. I love the innovation. I'm sure, you know, these things are going to unfold with time and going to continue to just advance the technology. And I'm, I think that, you know, the crypto thing is such a good idea and commoditizing something like water is something that hasn't really been done before. For those who are like me and are really interested in what you're doing and all the companies that you're running, where are the best places for people to keep up with you, know what's going on, get invested and all that good stuff? I, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the um, as I say, if, if you're accredited, it's very simple. You go to originclear.com, and there's a big green button at the top right. You press that, and bingo, you'll find you'll find yourself talking to the amazing Ken Berenger, who is so smart and is co-creator of this water on demand with me. If you're unaccredited, you should still do that because it'll register you and. Um, you should start, everyone should start listening to our Thursday night uh, briefings. I Every week I do about a 45-minute uh, briefing of all the things that are happening. We are the most transparent public company in America, we believe. I, I basically tell it all within the legal bounds of what I can say. And as a result, people really, you know, over time, they really get to know everything we're thinking of. Uh, so... An easy way for people to sign up is to just type in their browser oc.gold slash CEO, oc.gold slash CEO, or just go to originclear.com and they'll get an invitation to go on the briefing. I would love to have people join it. We respond to all questions, uh, even even the tough ones. Uh, we will take it. What's up with your stock price? Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> uh, we'll do it all. And so we love to... Uh, you know, there's a reason why we have a strong investor base because they understand that um, we are responsive. 
if you receive one of my newsletters, when you hit reply, it comes into my inbox. And um, even though there's 30,000 people who receive it, I do answer your emails. And we pride ourselves on having that kind of relationship because I believe Main Street investors are the future of America. Um, decentralization of finance means that there's going to be more and more growth of everyday investors, even if they only plunk in $1,000. That's really, really healthy to have a, a very large amount of small investors. It makes for a very, very healthy future and a very healthy investor base. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, there's, you know, that's the great thing about having this podcast. You learn something new every day, and this has been a really neat um, kind of deep dive into this water market. So uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your great questions. It's been fascinating, and, and I guess I just kind of let it all hang out, but that's, I guess you guys are good at that, right? <laughs> that was uh, a fun podcast as you saw they're very smart and they asked great questions and drew me out of course this is very small these things are 40 45 minutes maybe sometimes even an hour long you don't have the time but um we will be publishing all these podcasts on our site and you'll get a chance to experience them fully if you're interested but um as you can tell you know we really 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 uh feel some things very strongly and as i was saying there the strength of the everyday investor, the Main Street investor going directly into an asset without having to be mediated by the, you know, all the grand poobahs, right? So, um, so that's, that's the fun part of, of what we're doing here. All right. Um, we're getting close to the end here. I wanted to do, a, I promised to cover what's going on in the, the mortgage rate increase story. And there's a very quick clip here I'm going to play, and we'll discuss it briefly. The mortgage applications data out a short time ago, uh, and it isn't pretty. Diana Olick joins us with more. Hey, Diana. Hey, Joe. Yeah, mortgage demand is now less than half of what it was a year ago. How's that for a headline? That's according to the Mortgage Bankers Association. Sharply rising interest rates are decimating refinancing volume, and those rates, along with sky-high home prices, and a shortage of homes for sale are hitting demand from potential home buyers. Now, last week, the average rate on the 30-year fixed increased to 5.65% from 5.4% for loans with 20% down. That was the average rate for last week. What you don't see on that chart is that rates surged much higher this week with the average daily rate hitting 6.28% yesterday, and that's according to a separate measure from Mortgage News Daily. Now, weekly mortgage application volume last week rebounded slightly compared to the previous holiday adjusted week. Mortgage applications from home buyers rose 8% for the week, but were 16% lower compared with a year ago. Some of that may be thanks to a little more supply finally coming onto the market. Refinance demand rose 4% for the week, but was 76% lower than the same week one year ago. The MBA did note both purchase and refi demand were lower than the week before the holiday. So that's just that holiday messing with the data. Now, we know the mortgage companies have announced layoffs, but yesterday, two major real estate brokerages, Compass and Redfin, did the same. Oh, yeah. May you live in interesting times, right? Well, what does this mean? Well, there's a comment here that that really quantifies the situation. So 76% decrease in uh, in mortgage origination. What does that what does that come from? Well, in 2021, a 30-year fixed was at 3%. So you could get a uh, 458k mortgage for with 100k income now, 305,000, 33% decrease in purchase power. So, decrease in qualification with real estate prices being high, 
Also, people's credit rating has been dropping and there's been a lot of default in those AAA. Is this 2008 all over again? What's up with that? AAA rated mortgage-backed securities and you have the perfect storm. It's not theoretical. It's not a prediction this year. This is a very uh, very smart man, Arya Rifkin on um, t.me slash man in America. Okay. So inside the numbers, let's take a look what's going on with inflation and what is really happening behind the scenes. You've seen this graph. Basically, it just keeps going up. It's at 8.6% in May. And uh, that's a dramatic number, but it's been dramatic before. Look what happened in 1973, right? And also 19, in uh, the Carter years, 79. So um, I mean, things went straight up. They went, they came back down. Of course, major medicine was applied. Let's take a look at um, this is what's driving it, of course, is the price of oil, which if you look back here, 2015, 2016, that's when we had to bail out of the algae industry because biofuels were impossible at that price. And that's when we started in the water industry. Fast forward to today, we're actually right back in that price point. And theoretically, we could start doing algae again, although we won't. Um, so that's the, that's the, and by the way, crude prices have not stopped. Well, let's take a look then. This, look. The CPI, if you count food and energy, is at the top line there. But then look at without food and energy. So prices are actually dropping for things that are not food and energy. And that, I think, gets to the bottom of the story. Very, very interesting. Well, with that, Ken, I'm going to invite you on because um, this is the freewheeling discussion. So as long as we don't eat or go anywhere, life is cheaper. You know, you can buy, you know, manufactured goods from China still is still a decent price and so forth. Sure. Um, Robert Baxter says, thank you, Riggs. Um, yeah, Daryl Polson says, you know, that prices are expected to rise up to $200 a barrel. And I actually believe that. Um, let's show the audience what might be happening to you next week. You mean um, with me, not to me. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds so sinister. Well, uh, a very strong investor of ours, Adam Collar, is actually presenting at the show. He runs a global touring service for the wealthy. And uh, he said, today, we were talking to him and say, hey, why don't you come? And we kind of said, uh, okay, so this thing here. Really don't happen. You said, I can't make it, but Ken can go. Yeah, exactly. I was like, um, I was like, what? No, but see, the number of attendees is quite low. It's, you know, they're... they're um, yeah, it's a only a couple hundred office of, of family offices. Look, when I was I had a very spirited discussion with with Adam and, and I started talking about it. What we do, and he says, family offices, he his his words. And this is not a Wall Street guy. He said they are desperate, desperate, desperate to find things to invest in. And if it's beneficial to the planet, he goes all even more. So he goes, you have to be there. Yeah. And he was so adamant. What did I do? I, I pulled you into the call. I said, Come on the call with me with Adam, um, you know, and, and, you know, let's, let's flesh this out. So looks like I'm catching a plane on Sunday night, late, really late to go to <laughs> London. So it's in London and this is the whole agenda. Um, but I wanted to go down here to, um, these are all the events that they have. So there's one coming up. You're not going to go to the Wiesbaden one because it's German speaking, um, but there's a New York one in October. Get in touch with my German heritage. Exactly. Well, how about just my, how about just my New York heritage? That, that's a, that's easier. That for would me. work just fine. Yes. Um, well, that would require you to go to Israel. <laughs> that's true. No, I'd be the goy there, too. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, but you could be a, you could be a goy. Uh, 
Uh, anyway, um, so October um, is so this basically what we're looking at here is is uh, Adam's going to get us get us in there on a last minute. Ken may speak, but we don't know. But at the very least, he's going to walk the floor, hand out cards, because now we're starting to talk to family offices and uh, ultra high net worth individuals, UHNWIs. Um, and here's the, the thing is that he told us that they are desperate for good, you know, you know, do, do good things for the world kind of things, right? And they want to be super early. Like I was about to say, I was about to say, and he's just forget about that second round stuff. He goes, these guys want super, super early. They're aggressive. They want to take risks. I said, well, this isn't that risky. He goes, it doesn't matter. He goes, it has the big upside. They want it. What was also interesting, and he said this to me again, not a Wall Street guy. He goes, these guys are in really rough shape right now. They're, they're, they have big, big positions in commercial real estate and real estate in general. And they really are desperate to diversify into other sort of generational assets. He didn't call it that because that's kind of a, a street term, but he he was, you know, uh, I was paraphrasing. I hope Our definition of family office is a minimum of 150 million pounds in assets from only one or a few families. So um, th this is a whole different world. And you're right. The problems that, that real estate people might have in America uh, on a smaller basis are bad enough. But then when you've got a big portfolio, right? Yeah. That's a different story altogether. But so, what I explain a lot of times is family offices have a unique problem because their wealth is generational wealth and it's not replaceable. You or I can have a bad year in the market. We have income, right? Their wealth is their income, right? So there's really no room for, for, a, bad, for a bad year, if you find right. it. Right. It breaks the continuity, exactly. Right. Um, so Gene Tully says, knock him dead, Ken. And he also says, ich bin an Berliner. Yeah, which, well, you know what that, that's yeah. a funny joke right. because JFK said that when he visited the, the Berlin wall in the 62, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. um, but actually a Berliner is a pastry. Well, I'll bring everybody back bagels. I'll, I'll get bagels. Oh, JFK was saying, I am a pastry. Yeah. <laughs> He's a pastry. Anyway, it's a bad joke. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have to do my, my dad jokes anyway. Um, but I think it's it's a great opportunity to jump in and see what's up. This is not the only one. There's another one that that um, you know. Uh, no, we'll do, we'll do New York, and we'll be completely, and we will go in as presenters there. Um, but there's another um, operator, uh, Danny Chabad, whom we've already spoken with um, yes, separately. Danny, that that you know, Adam doesn't think is that great. Whatever they had a they had a moment, but um, but Danny has also an amazing uh, network, and he does have. The in addition to the UAE and so forth, I believe he has an Israel uh, date. Uh, he does a blockchain one. Anyway, so this is really exciting, and um, I think that what we've what's coming out of all this situation is we are in a perfect position. the The worse things get for existing assets, the better off it is for us oh, yeah. because we're the bargain. Yep, the bargain. Yep. Oh my God, yep. it's yep. like. Go ahead, you know, take something that was costing, it was costing you 50,000, it's gone to 20, get something equivalent for a dollar. Right. You'll, you'll even out. You'll right. even out just fine, right? right? Uh, and and, the, and the, the green or ecological benefit, you know, the beneficial end of it um, apparently is really, really, it never used to be important. These guys were big in oil and gas. They were right. like, screw it. You, we, you know, we need no, to- They've divested. 
lot yeah. of them. And um, they're really, really looking for, you know, beneficial investments. And I, I don't, I can't think of a single asset that would be more beneficial than this. So I think it's going to be, a, look, this was something that we kept saying. We, 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 we knew our, we knew our, what we were doing was right for this audience. I believe that with the hard work of Dustin and you and the entire team putting together a, a true institutional grade kind of presentation, I think I, I think this is going to be incredible. He said to me, "You'll be you'll be incredibly fruitful there." Okay. And and he he should know he he's been marketing yeah, he's to the audience, it. right? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so great. You're going to go ahead and do that next week. I am going to show off those amazing graphs which show the historical performance and how important water demand is to our company's future. Remember that everything you know, if our if our baby does well, we do well. So origin clear. Um, remains the play of the day. Um, there'll be water on demand. There'll be uh, eventually the crypto. There'll be uh, Averimod pump and lift stations, modular water systems, and progressive water treatment. And then we'll continue. And this is starting to get fun. I'm starting to have fun right. with this. Shoot. Well, why stop there? I mean, if, hey, you, if we have, if, listen, I'm hiring, right? I'm hiring in, I'm hiring in Pittsburgh. So I'm going to create this machine. And, you know, I, I, I've done that. For years, right? So, um, I think that this will be something that um, is going to be a lot of fun. And it, it, what, what I'm what I'm really looking forward to is to finally get this story out. Um, you know, we speak every week to the folks that already believe in us, and I want to start speaking to folks that don't even know and never even knew this opportunity existed. I think it's going to resonate amazingly well. Yeah. Yes. Well, this is uh, this is our time, and I think we've matured it to the point where it's we've covered all the bases. So, yes, sir. OC.go slash Ken to uh, schedule a call with Ken. He's the man. Gene Tully says, excellent job. Sharon Skoneski says, this is so exciting and love the candid briefings. Thank you so much. Robert Baxter, same thing. Love my Thursday nights with you guys. It is a pleasure doing these. I love talking to you all and invite your friends, join us, and I'll show you some astonishing graphs uh, next week. And also, Ken will be back. He will tell us some of the things that have gone In theory, down. I'll be back. You'll be back. <laughs> I'll be back. I'll be back. All right. All right, everyone. Listen, have a great weekend, everyone. Uh, right. Can uh, convince your wife it's okay for you to go. And uh, she, no, she, she's like, let me pack for you. I mean, how long are you gone? Ooh. Yeah. Oh, did you leave the Amex? Kenny, did you leave the Amex on the, on the, oh on the counter? Is that, yeah, honey, I left the Amex on the counter. Very funny. That is yeah. cute. All right, guys. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Yeah.